It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. And we, we intend to give you a very fine program, so just settle back, relax, and enjoy the moment. 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 Welcome back to another special edition of Mic'd Up on OM Radio. This is your daily COVID-19 news update for Lowcountry listeners. I'm your host, Mika Gadsden. Today's date, it's Friday, April 3rd, and the time of this recording, it's 5.17 a.m. Today, I have another information-packed show for you, featuring my interview with uh, the Post and Courier's investigative reporter, Avery Wilkes. Um, I really want you guys to listen to that, so please stay tuned after our our news updates. Uh, Yesterday, yesterday we hit another major milestone concerning COVID-19. It's a grim milestone, but one that we need to talk about. For the first time, the coronavirus is in all 46 counties of South Carolina. DHEC released new numbers this afternoon showing 261 cases statewide, including five additional deaths. Those deaths occurred, according to DHEC, in elderly individuals who had underlying health conditions. Overall, the number of cases has risen to 1,554 in South Carolina. DHEC has also released this video of a heat map showing the spread of the virus that news clip the came state. courtesy of WLTX, the CBS News affiliate from Columbia, South Carolina. As of yesterday, April 2nd, 4.04 p.m., DHEC is reporting 1,554 total positive cases for COVID-19. And unfortunately, uh, that means that there are 31 deaths uh, attributed to the coronavirus here in South Carolina. So 15, 54 confirmed cases for South Carolina, 31 deaths. Um, Those numbers just continue to illustrate the severity of the issue that we're all up against. Um, We're seeing our local lawmakers, our government officials um, just jump into action. Yesterday, that was very visible. Here's what our local county council was up to yesterday. Charleston County leaders say they are working to support those on the coronavirus front lines by providing personal protection equipment. And this personal protective equipment has gone to healthcare facilities as well as first responders. Charleston County Emergency Management Director Jason Patnos says the county is working with MUSC, the National Guard, and the South Carolina Corps of Engineers to form contingency plans in the event hospitals become overwhelmed. To develop plans to identify alternate care facilities should they see a surge at their primary locations. Patno says the county is also taking steps to lower the risk for first responders. Additionally, since the onset of COVID-19, our 911 center has been screening calls in an effort to help protect our public safety first responders. Patno says the county is screening agencies requesting personal protection equipment to ensure everyone is able to get supplies. We're asking them three questions. What is your need? What is your stock on hand? What is your weekly burn rate? Shout out to Riley Benson with that bit of reporting. He's reporting from our local NBC News affiliate here in Charleston, WCBD News 2. Um, I want to shift the focus right now to our school districts. Uh, Berkeley County yesterday released a statement uh, a little bit late in the evening. Uh, Here's the superintendent of Berkeley County School District, Eddie Ingram, with a statement for parents. Good evening. When South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster ordered our schools to be closed several weeks ago, We knew that we could be faced with the challenge of an extended closure. What we now face together as a society is not easy on anyone. However, you have our promise that Berkeley County School District will continue to be as proactive as possible. We will continue efforts to provide high quality instruction for our students 
and where necessary, meet some of the essential needs of our families. On Friday, we will have a teacher work day. Unlike our other work days this school year, this will not be an e-learning day. Teachers will spend the day planning for several more weeks of instruction utilizing our new blended learning platform. We hope that our students will use the day to review, catch up as needed, or spend time with family. That was Superintendent of Berkeley County Schools, Eddie Ingram. I'm starting to see as I curate these news clips and bring these updates to you all, I'm seeing uh, uh, leaders like Eddie Ingram step forward, be proactive in either issuing statements or supplemental information to help folks prepare and to really, um, you really have to manage expectations. We all don't really have a firm grasp on what to expect because the, the virus and its fallout, it, it changes our lives every day in unexpected ways. But um, what's for sure is that we have to just manage expectations and be ready for those changes. And so um, if you're not hearing from your county council person, your mayor, your representative, whoever it may be, whomever it may be, make sure you reach out and ask questions. Um, so, you know, shout out to those who have been more proactive who have been making sure that they release videos. The city of North Charleston, Mayor Tecklenburg, um, Eddie Ingram, I can go on and on. There have been a few standouts. Um, however, there have been some quiet folk too. So if you're not hearing your representatives or local leaders be vocal, make sure you just give them a nudge because we need this information. And they're probably processing so much information, but they can definitely, they need to prioritize updates for their constituency. Um, I'm going to continue on with school coverage. Here's uh, some news that broke yesterday regarding uh, just how coronavirus is starting to really strain the supply chain, the meal supply chain for our area schools. I want you to take a listen to this clip. Districts across the state have seen more and more families accessing the free meals they're providing for children while schools are closed. Got seven today. The demand is growing, um, I would say, daily. For the Mars in the top. A 6% increase each day in Charleston County. The Low Country's largest school district has distributed more than 62,000 meals per week since schools closed. We just need to be thinking about what happens if we get to a point where the staffs that are in place can't continue to do their work, how we're going to then fill those gaps. Gaps in staffing and the supply chain. And there are certain meal components that need to be provided in every meal for the districts to be provided a reimbursement from the USDA. That money is how districts can afford to provide these meals for free. And they're already experiencing issues getting a hold of certain items when they need them. So right from the beginning, we've been hearing about food shortages. Enjoy your lunches. CCSD has applied for a waiver from the state's Department of Education. It will allow them to keep that funding while providing vegetables that don't necessarily meet the USDA's requirements for reimbursement. Shout out to Caitlin Stansel from WCSC Live 5 News, our CBS affiliate here in Charleston. I'm going to keep you updated on that story. We know that these meals um, provided by our, our education leadership, um, they've been vitally important to families. They've provided a lot of relief. So um, I, I encourage you all, if you were receiving these meals or benefiting from them or know of a family or household uh, that has access to these meals. And if you hear them, uh, you know, have questions, 
and just make sure that you let them know this little bit of news that you just heard regarding how the food supply chain may have already been interrupted and how um, our local officials like the voice you heard during that clip was the director of South Carolina Department of Education's nutrition programs, Ron Jones. Uh, You heard him say that they've already experienced interruptions and had to improvise uh, with what vegetables and items they had to include. So if you hear someone expressing frustration with that, um, encourage them to, to, you know, maybe refer to this clip or um, do a little digging or reach out to the South Carolina Department of Education for some additional answers. Um, I'm going to shift now to some breaking news uh, yesterday that occurred yesterday. So yesterday afternoon, Jamie Lovegrove from the Post and Courier um, broke a story regarding our Congressman uh, James Clyburn. Uh, Congressman Clyburn has been tapped by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to lead a select committee that will oversee the COVID-19 response. And to be quite honest, he looks like he's already assumed that leadership position. Again, like other leaders, we've seen him more at the forefront of a lot of this national news, specifically during the crafting of the stimulus package. Um, And earlier this week, he and uh, Senator Lindsey Graham participated in a call that was facilitated by AARP. It was a Q&A phone call where they fielded questions, both he, uh, both Congressman Clyburn and Senator Graham fielded questions from concerned constituents. Uh, take a listen to what they had to say. This Q&A was hosted by South Carolina AARP. People could call in and ask questions and the entire conversation was streamed online. It covered a lot of ground. $2.2 trillion is in this bill. It's the largest expenditure in the history of the nation. It's larger than the New Deal. That's Senator Lindsey Graham talking about that federal stimulus package. Here's how that affects you. Everyone making less than $75,000 a year will get a relief check. That includes those on Social Security and disability. Representative Jim Clyburn said those government beneficiaries who haven't filed a tax return in recent years will still receive that money as a supplement to the checks they normally get. But they can fill out an abbreviated tax return to get that money faster. The best thing to do is what Congressman Clyburn said was fill out one of these short forms forms, and that will speed up your check. A lot of people calling in had questions about whether they qualify for unemployment. Now the government is handing out more unemployment money for longer and to more people. Those who are self-employed individuals, independent contractors, gig economy employees, and individuals who are unable to start a new job or contract Due to the pandemic, all qualified. Senator Lindsey Graham mentioned the New Deal during that audio clip, uh, courtesy of WSPA News 7. Uh, and that reporting was was by uh, Ann Maxwell. So shout out to them. But didn't uh, Cly- Clyburn sounded like a throwback to like FDR or something like that, like a Ken Burns documentary audio clip? He sounded so, so statesmanlike, a, a throwback. He is a classic for sure. Um, I'm going to pivot now to uh, some more local news, and that is my exclusive interview with Avery Wilkes. Avery Wilkes from the Post and Courier uh, did an exceptional job with a local story um, regarding Clarendon County. And so the title of the article that was published yesterday, I believe, Um, rural Clarendon County is suddenly a South Carolina coronavirus hotspot. Nobody knows why. And because this is more reporting on rural issues and rural pockets, rather, 
throughout South Carolina. I really wanted to zoom in on that because I think those areas are areas to watch. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't arriving at um, some, you know, some faulty conclusions about why rural pockets might jump out as hotspots for coronavirus. And I, I didn't want to make any assumptions about the populations there. And I don't want listeners to arrive at conclusions that are not founded on anything factual. Um, and I'm not assuming you all would, but um, his reporting really gives you um, that added bit of perspective that we all need when viewing this issue. So again, shout out to the Post and Courier and, and the staff and the reporters who have made themselves available to me. Uh, again, I'm a voracious reader of this paper um, because it's important to read local news and support it. And when they knock it out of the ballpark, they they knock it out of the ballpark. And I want to give them recognition for that. That was a little sports reference for people like me who are so missing sports right now. But anyway, here is my interview with Avery Wilkes. Um, please take a listen. I hope you really enjoy this. It was very insightful. So, yeah, listen in. Would you mind yeah. uh, introducing yourself for those who don't know your writing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Avery Wilkes. I'm a reporter at the Post and Courier. I'm based out of Columbia. Um, I've started here in January covering um, statewide issues and, and sort of doing bigger projects and investigative work at the Post and Courier, as well as some local stuff here in Columbia. Um, before that, I was a reporter for more than four years at the state newspaper in Columbia. Um, that was my first job after graduating from the University of South Carolina's Honors College in, in 2015. Wow, that's, that's a very uh, commendable resume. And I think it's your investigative chops made, made it so um, important for me to speak to you because of that discipline. So you're, you're here, in, you're writing for the Post and Courier based out of Columbia, but you've, mm -hmm. uh, you recently made news with your piece on Clarendon County. Can you tell me um, mm -hmm. more about that piece? Yeah, the idea was, um, you know, previously reporters have been going out and covering uh, Camden and Kershaw County, which is um, obviously the, the the number one kind of hotspot. It's got by far the highest rate of coronavirus cases. And so we started to look for, you know, what, what were some of the other areas um, that, that could provide interesting stories in addition to, you know, the major, uh, the major cities of Greenville, Columbia, and Charleston. Uh, and we looked at Clarendon County and it had the second highest rate of transmission which on the surface didn't make much sense because it has, you know, 34,000 people roughly, but they're spread across, uh, you know, a, a large area in Clarendon County. Uh, it's a fairly large county. It covers more than 600 miles. None of the cities have more than, you know, 4,000 people uh, in terms of population. We, we were just kind of curious as to why exactly it, it was that they were having so many cases. I think when we decided to do the story, they had something like 21 uh, uh, known cases of coronavirus. We wanted to go out there and, and get a sense of what was causing that spread, if people knew, what were people doing in, in reaction to that, how aware um, of, of the, the cases were, were people that were living there, um, and, and obviously what local officials, hospitals, um, first responders were doing to, to respond to that as well. So, uh, so you describe in your story, Clarendon County is, is largely rural. Um, mm -hmm. How much of that um, contributes to perhaps the uptick in numbers in that area? 
You know, it, you would think it would be the opposite. Uh, New York City is, is kind of, uh, it, it's had it the toughest in, in America. Um, they're, they're having, you know, thousands upon thousands of cases, expecting thousands of deaths because it's so concentrated. You've got public transportation. You've got a lot of uh, really compact areas. You've got a lot of people living, you know, on top of each other, touching the same railings, um, you know, talking to each other, you know, very close to each other. You don't expect it to happen in a county like Clarendon, where everything is so spread out, and you've got these one and two stoplight towns that are miles and miles away from each other. Um, one thing that makes it hard is that, uh, you know, first responders and county leaders and city leaders don't really know what's causing this. They don't know whether it is I-95 and um, you know all of the the travelers from out of state going up and down 95 and stopping at the exits, going into fast food restaurants and gas stations. They don't know whether it's some of the events that have continued to go on in Clarendon County, uh, whether that is, you know, the, the, the drag ship races or people boating on Lake Marion or a few church services, and funeral services that were still going on recently. Um, so, you know, you would think that you would think that an area like Clarendon County that's so spread out is actually a pretty safe place to be. Um, but but as as we've seen with the numbers, you know, it's it, it's the opposite, and and this virus has kind of been indiscriminate in how fast it can spread and and the places it can get into. So would it be too much of a leap to to guess whether it's is it a cultural component? Do you think it may be lack of information, lack of uh, maybe connectivity? I don't want to make. I, I think I sure. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think that's probably part of it. I mean, and you can have that in places like Richland County. I mean, there there are plenty of people in um, in cities that that don't take this seriously, as well as in rural areas. That being said, um, you know where where there are places where maybe the media coverage is is sparse, uh, where there aren't. Um, you know, a series of, of TV stations and, and newspapers and, and radio personalities that are in your area constantly telling you to, to be on guard about this. And, you know, maybe maybe there is a, you know, a, a lack of, um, you know, a, a lack of understanding of how serious it is. When I talk to people, you know, it, it was kind of like this, these precautions are something that's being forced on them, that they, they don't see it. Um, you know, in their community, it's kind of, you know, I, one, one person, a state representative told me it, it was kind of an invisible thing. And that, that's what's made it so tough. Um, you know, when you, when there's not that many people concentrated in one area, it can be easier to, you know, just ignore it as something that doesn't affect you, even though you may have it and be asymptomatic. Um, you know, I, I, I think it would be fair to, to, to guess that a, a lack of information and, and a lack of media coverage and, and attention might have contributed to it. Do you, I, I've, well, I've been following MK's reporting in terms of um, where there may be gaps in healthcare access in certain rural pockets, but not just rural areas. She, she made a map, of course, that covered the entire state of South Carolina. Um, do you think it's a uh, lack of healthcare access will play into the numbers and, and the surge in, in reported cases? I, you know, the one, one trend that we noticed uh, early on was that some of the counties that didn't have any cases were also some rural counties where hospitals had closed uh, or where hospitals were, were far away. 
Um, obviously today, uh, uh, you know, with this afternoon's update, um, that changed and all of the, you know, all 46 South Carolina counties have cases. Uh, it's clear that the ability to test has affected the numbers, not just in South Carolina and in rural counties, not just in America, but, but really it's across the country. Um, and, and as testing has gotten better uh, and become more available, we've seen spikes in numbers. Um, it's one of those cases where, you know, the, the numbers may tell you that there, you know, this area is a hotbed and this area is not, but in reality, that might just reflect a, a lack of testing in one area versus another. Um, uh, Clarendon County does have McLeod Health Clarendon. Uh, they've got a big presence there. They had, you know, drive-through testing. So it's possible that their numbers are, are higher than they would be, um, you know, if, if that hospital wasn't there and there wasn't uh, that availability of testing. So, you know, actually, actually it is one of the rural counties that, that does have a hospital that's, that's doing that kind of work. Well, that's reassuring to hear that part. Um, were there any folks in the town, in the area rather, that you found were trying to be maybe uh, disciples or, or not disciples, I'm sorry, that's the wrong word, uh, trying to uh, evangelize the folks, I guess that's the word I was looking for, about the, the <laughs> harms and the the um, the risk. Was there anyone that was like, "Hey guys, you know, we got to pay attention to this." Absolutely. I mean, Mayor uh, Manning, Mayor Julia Nelson. She she was to me the the strongest voice. She's been on. Uh, she's running three social media accounts. You know, her her personal profile, the uh, the town's profile, etc. And she is pleading with people to take this seriously. The, the county administrator. Uh, David Epperson, ab, you know, absolutely pleading with people for weeks. They're they're shutting down what they can. They're discouraging uh, private events that are going on, even though they you know they may not have the authority to shut them down. Um, uh, you know, th there there are probably some local advocates that are doing that as well. But but certainly the, the mayor and county administrator they were they were very uh, adamant that that people need to take this seriously, and, and and they've been frustrated that people aren't doing that so far. Actually, the, the county council chairman as well, and all of the, the town mayors of, of Paxville, of Somerton, Turbyville, and Manning, they all wrote a letter uh, and, and posted it and disseminated it, um, you know, uh, at the end of March, stressing how serious this is, begging people to, to pay attention. Um, and, you know, I think that sunk in with a number of people, um, you know, j just, just seeing someone on the street and letting them know how serious it is seems to have worked, but um, for others, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding. People have been gathering at, you know, at Lake Marion, uh, you know, basketball games and some of the pickup, um, pickup courts and things like that. Uh, th those, those have still happened up until last weekend. So um, certainly there, there's definitely a concentrated effort to, to discourage that. And it's, you know, it's kind of gradually taking hold as these numbers become more prevalent. Yeah, and, and with the governor issuing, you know, even more measures and mandates via executive order, I'm sure like the recreational activity will probably come to a halt. Um, yeah, judging by, you know, what's come down this week. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, where can folks find your reporting or any content that you have? Sure. Uh, you know, I work for the, the Post and Courier, so they can go to postandcourier.com. We've got uh, the homepage is just constantly stacked with the latest facts and figures and 
and numbers and interactive maps. Uh, and, and they, you know, the, the team at the PNC has really done an incredible job. I'm, I'm super proud to be a part of it. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at, um, at, at Avery G. Wilkes. Thank you so much, Avery, um, and uh, bravo to you and your great investigative reporting. I, I look forward to reading you uh, as we all get through this crisis. Thank you. Thanks for having me so much. Shout out to Avery and all of the reporters, local reporters, reporters from the state, the Post and Courier, South Carolina Public Radio, all of our local TV news reporters who are reporting from home and, uh, you know, under different conditions. Shout out to all those providing this very, very vital service, getting us information, pertinent information to help us remain safe and have a full, you know, maintain a full grasp of the issue. And also shout out to Mayor Nelson and Manning. Um, it's great to hear local lawmakers, again, be proactive, be very vocal and out in front of this issue and trying to keep their constituency safe. So, um, Again, if you're not hearing from your local leadership, make sure you nudge them a little bit and encourage them, you know, to, to step up a little bit more. Um, that's the activist in me encouraging you to be a, lo a local activist. Um, but thank you so much for listening to, to Mike Up today. Um, as always, you can find me um, on social media at Mika Gadsden on, at both, on both Twitter and Instagram. You can also email me if you have any feedback or any questions. It's uh, Tamika, T-A-M-I-K-A at charlestonactivistnetwork.com. Um, but until next time, uh, y'all, please stay happy and stay healthy, stay home, stay home, stay home. And to my Gullah Geechee folk out there, y'all, y'all stay black.